Hello, and welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. In this episode, we are bringing you a special teaching from Billy's Money Mastery Series on seven steps to financial freedom. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode on how to make sense of making money for making a difference. Enjoy the show. Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Let's join Billy Eberhardt. Welcome back. Uh, we're on lesson number four here in our series on money mastery. And boy, we've had a great time. I've had a great time teaching it. I trust you've had a great time as you're going through it. And of course, you know, we started off talking about understanding well, and then we talked about God's purpose for well. And then we, of course, we introduced the triple X factor. And I trust that really helped you to get some real understanding of what we mean on seeing the whole elephant when it comes to wealth building. Now, we're going to give you a a lot more practical information, and so I'm looking forward to that. So chapter four that that is represented in the book, Money Mastery, in fact, I have a copy right here with me, Money Mastery, that we have in the chapter four here in this series, lesson four, is uh, the title is we're going to talk about seven steps to financial freedom. Now, I want to tell you the real reason I did this chapter, the purpose was that after I had taught this quite a few times over the course of years, people asked me if I could kind of put, put, create a lesson that would kind of put it all together in one quick. Now, this is not the last lesson. We have quite a few more lessons to still go through. But I, I t- put it here so to help you kind of understand what we've talked about up to this point and kind of uh, also help you see the triple X maybe a little better. So we're going to talk about seven steps. So you can, uh, you know, as you follow this, it'll really hopefully become succinct for you. And so let's talk about these seven steps. So step number one, I call it escalate. That, that really means you're, you're starting to say, you know what, Billy, I really see, you know, God's purpose for wealth. I really am understanding what you mean. The triple X makes sense to me. So now it's start. It's time to start. It's time to take that next step, that next half step, whatever for you. So number one is escalate. And what I mean by that is you increase your ability to earn. And what I just told you in the in the previous lesson was that remember you don't take just time to the marketplace you take value and that you get paid for value not just for time so in other words you learn to put more value into the time that you are bringing to the marketplace so I say that because you must increase your ability to earn and you do that by increasing your value and one of the ways you do that and I'll talk about this under the laws of wealth that are later in this series in Money Mastery that you know one of the ways you do this is by learning to get knowledge in other words you you begin to accumulate begin to acquire knowledge let me say this to you most people think when it comes to building wealth that that money's just going to fall on people's heads like what ripe cherries off a tree. But no, I want to tell you this right here in this lesson, and this is a great quote, I believe, to remember. 
Remember that money is attracted, not pursued. Now, let me say it one more time. Money is attracted, not pursued. Now, why am I saying that here? Because when you gain knowledge, you begin to develop a mindset. And there's two parts of the mindset you develop that are critical. That mindset then becomes like a magnet, and it helps you attract the people you need, the things you need, we'll talk about later, but you begin to attract those things. So money's attracted, not pursued. So what happens in that process is you gain knowledge, right? And I'll talk about later, knowledge then grows into understanding, understanding then grows into wisdom. So there's two things you need to do. I mentioned on this piece. One is to increase the context or the framework of your mindset. Begin, begin to see things differently, begin to see things positively. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so when I talk about your mindset, there's some things you need to start hoping for, some things you start believing for, some things you start dreaming, some things you start seeing in your life. So that's the context. And I'm not talking about, remember, we talked about we're doing making sense of making money for making a difference. So you may see some of those things where you're actually making a difference. For some of you, you may see some things you don't have that you now have. For others, you see the impact you're making on other people's lives uh, through, through different means and different ways. But then the second part of that mindset, the first part is the dreaming, the hope part. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. But, you know, in Proverbs, Solomon told us, uh, you know, really that he said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The reverence or respect of God is the beginning of wisdom. And then he said right there in the same passage, he said, and with all you're getting, with everything that you're getting, he said, get wisdom. So you say, what does that mean, Billy? Wisdom doesn't mean that you, you, you just all of a sudden go in a corner and pray, God, God, give me wisdom, wisdom. No, what it means is you begin to acquire knowledge in an area that you don't know anything about. It's amazing to me how many people never acquire what I like to call specific knowledge about how to do something particularly. You know, and I like to tell the story. Uh, I had the privilege and opportunity in the 1970s to play baseball at Oral Roberts University. And in that process of, of playing baseball, uh, I went from, uh, in those days in the state of Texas, there was uh, the larger high schools were 3A and 4A. Now today they have 5A and 6A. That's the size of school. But in those days, the two tops were 3A and 4A high schools. And so I played for a larger 3A high school. And back in those days, we used wooden bats, you know, and uh, no metal bats back in those days in high school. And so I was a pitcher. I wasn't real tall, but I was a pitcher and I was pretty good. So I got a scholarship and went to Old Roberts University. Uh, and I remember the first couple of times I got up to pitch, they, there was four freshmen that came in as what we call big scholarship kids that came in that year. I was one of the four freshmen. And I remember I got a chance right off the bat to pitch against the other three freshmen that came in. That was my goal. I'm the pitcher. I was the only pitcher of the bunch. And so I got up, and there was a kid uh, uh, named Greg, and he got up to bat off of me. He was a catcher. Now remember, these are the days of wooden bats, Tulsa, Oklahoma, a lot of humidity, and I threw the best fastball I had, or I thought I had, and he hit the ball 410 feet right over the center field wall. And I want to talk about increasing your ability to learn, in other words, get knowledge. 
I remember watching the ball go. I had truly never seen a baseball hit that far in my life. And here I am on this big field. Oral Roberts in, in those days and is this now was a, a Division One baseball school. Man, I'd never seen the ball. The pitching coach walked out to me. His first name was Rich. Rich walks out. He pitched six years for the L.A. Dodgers in the bigs and he uh, in the big leagues. And he said to me, Epperhart, we're going to have to give you another pitch. And so he showed me, he showed me how to throw a slider. Now, not a curveball, but a slider. Now, later he showed me how to throw a curve, but then he showed me how to throw a slider. And so for those, I know not everybody that's watching knows about baseball or pitching, but to throw a slider, there's a certain grip you have when you throw a slider. Those who know baseball, you know what you're looking at. There's a certain slider. And so where you hold the ball. And so uh, I began to practice my slider, and I practice on the side. I practice it in batting practice. I practice it. And so we went to play Oklahoma Baptist, and I remember, and I was scheduled to pitch the second inning. So the, they, they ran one of the new pitchers out. He pitched the first inning. I went in the second inning. So I'm talking about gaining knowledge, right, through learning, know what you're doing. So I remember going out and pitching, and the first batter I threw again, my best fastball, he hit a hard shot through the infield. He got on first base. Next batter came up, did the same thing. The next batter came up, did exactly. So I've got the bases loaded behind me. Bases are loaded in Calmus. He's about six foot four, and he's a beanstalk. I mean, he's just tall and narrow. He walks out to the mound. Now, if I, this had been in high school, the coach would have said to me, Epperhart, throw harder. Or he'd have said, Epperhart, throw strikes. And Calmus walks out. Nobody knows in the stands what he's saying to me. The head coach doesn't even know. Uh, Herb Dallas doesn't even know what he's saying to me. He reaches out, and he says to me, he says, Epperhart, Show me your slider. And nobody else can hear him. And I hold my hand up like this. And he reaches and grabs my middle finger. And he holds it for a second. He touches it. And then he grabs the baseball. And he turns the baseball one-eighth of an inch in my hand. One-eighth of an inch. And he simply took this finger and moved it from one side of the seam to the other side of the seam. True story, the next three batters I struck out. One-eighth of an inch adjustment. What happens to us in our mindsets most of the time, we, need, it's, we don't need a mile adjustment. I know we think we do, but most of the time what we need is a one-eighth inch of adjustment to help us to increase our ability to learn and at the same time. See, I had specific knowledge about how to throw a slider. And I had practiced with that specific knowledge until it developed understanding. And let me say, when he walked out on the mound that day, nobody in the stands had any idea what he said to me because he was quiet. He didn't yell. And really, he didn't say a word. He just said, show me your slider. And he reached up and picked the ball and turned it one-eighth of an inch. And the rest was history as far as in that inning. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because always remember changing your mindset right, is usually just a one-eighth inch of adjustment. And the kind of information you need to get is specific knowledge. That's what I mean. So you've got to approach wealth building with the right mindset and be willing to get information and knowledge. And then number two is something we're going to give you in depth, and that is to eliminate. When we talk about eliminate, when we're talking about wealth building, we're talking about eliminating consumer debt because consumer debt literally limits our ability to increase 
Well, now I'll say this sometime later probably, but let me just put it in here. The word consumer literally means to destroy. So what are you destroying if you're a consumer? You're actually destroying your own wealth. That's what happens when this happens. So when you eliminate wealth, it's not, what, I mean, excuse me, when you eliminate debt, it's not building wealth. And that's the biggest mistake I see people make is they take, uh, they take a course that shows them how to get out of debt, and they think that's all they need to know about money. No, that's more about money management. It has nothing to do with making money. Let me say it one more time. Getting out of debt has to do with managing money, not making money. So you need to learn how to manage money, and you definitely need to get out of consumer debt. But, you know, it's amazing to me how many people will go buy a, you know, 80-inch television at some consumer electronics store and put it on credit, by the way. They'll buy it, put it on credit, and I talk to them about, you know, saving some money, putting a down payment on a piece of real estate. They tell me it's risky. Now, what's more risky? You walk out with that 80-inch TV, it's worth about, and that's even today with eBay and, and, and Craigslist and all the other stuff you can advertise stuff for sale on that's out there, the Facebook stuff, all that. Uh, but it's still only worth when you walk out 25% of what you paid for it. And that's if you know how to market it online, right? But whereas you, you put money down on a piece of real estate, if you do it right and follow the right, it goes up in value, right? You actually increase in value and you have a lot safer investment. So I just want to show you that, that when we talk about eliminate, it positions you to build wealth. In fact, in 2013, because I'm going to give you the number today, 2013, the consumer debt in America, consumer debt was $847 billion. Today, it is over $1 trillion consumer debt. That means you, you spend money on things that have no value. When you go put that meal you're eating somewhere on the credit card and don't pay it off at the end of the month, right? When you do that, you live, that meal's gone. It's literally gone. Or you go buy a television. You might have it to enjoy, but if you buy it, you still pay payments in that TV by the time you get it paid off. I'm going to give you some great illustrations on that later. But on this lesson, I just want to show you that when we talk about consumer debt, the word consume means to destroy, and what it's doing is it's destroying your wealth. Then you must accumulate, and I call this the beginning of the second X that we showed you in the previous lesson. This is where, and I'm going to give you some specifics here now. This is where we're going to get specific for a minute. This is where you learn when you accumulate to save for emergencies and learn to save for a home. So even maybe the green dots haven't started quite yet, but you can start putting money aside. And if you're not in a place where you have, let's say, extra money somewhere, which most of you that are probably watching this don't, that's where you have some emergency money. A good guideline is the six months, but even three months is better than not having anything. And then you start saving for a home. Now, I know some people teach, you know, a personal home is a liability, too. I don't look at it like that. I understand the reason they say that, but I believe a personal home, and I'm going to show you some stuff in a minute about it. But a personal home is it, because, because let me explain it to you this way. you got to have somewhere to live. So you're either going to pay rent to somebody else that's going to build their wealth, or you're going to pay for yourself to have a place to live. But it costs money to live meaning to have a place to live. So save for emergencies, save for a home, and then here's the secret sauce. This is worth watching. Learn to live off 80% of your income. And again, I'll visit this again and give you some real strategies here. But here's what I mean by learning to live off 80%. 
Take 10% you set aside for God. Take 10% you set aside to, for investments or to set aside to save and invest. Start with the 10%. Now, if you want to be really aggressive, you can learn to live on 70% and you can, you can set the side that you bring to God for 10% and you can put 20% aside to save it. And the way you do that is you take 10% you invest yourself and 10% that somebody else invests for you. If you'll learn to do that, people today retire and they have no idea how to do investments themselves. It's kind of sad. And so, or if you're going to do 80% you, on, the, on the investment part, of t- you can take 5% you invest and 5% somebody else invests. But the point is, you have to start accelerating and moving forward. Now, I always have Christians who say to me, well, then what do I give out of if I'm bringing my tithe, that's 10%, and then what do I give? You give out of the bottom 80%, or you give out of the bottom 70%, depending on what you're living off of, and that's how you learn to live. If you'll do that, there's a great book called The Richest Man in Babylon, written by George S. Clayson. I encourage everybody to get a copy of it. It's a great book on understanding these percentages, and it puts you in a position to learn how to accumulate it. I also have it in my bibliography in the back that is on uh, that is in Money Mastery. So if you have a copy of that or get a copy, you'll find it in there as well. So, I've re- so you've got to accumulate. Start accumulating, setting aside money. Then step number four, and this is the place I see people who really don't... Uh, don't think properly, and especially I see this with young people. Every now and then I'll see this with someone who's older. But step number four is to participate. Now, what I mean by participate is it's at this point, as you set this aside because you're accumulated. That now, what I mean by participating? Participating, you learn, you purchase, for most of you, this would be your first home. You learn to purchase your home. You know, the greatest amount of net worth in America when we look at individual households, not just mixing in the ultra-rich, but just looking at median households in America, the greatest level of their net worth is held in their home. Now, I'm going to teach you later when we talk about how you participate more aggressively, uh, we won't even allow you to include your home in your net worth. But in this case, I want you to learn because you're getting started. This is seven steps to financial freedom. You have a home. You purchase a home. You can create good equity in that home. There's advantages to owning a home from a tax basis. And then you open, and I want to encourage you, even up those that are maybe even their 50s all the way from being 18, open a Roth IRA. Don't just do an IRA, but open a Roth IRA Uh, because of the advantages that a Roth has. So I'm trying to give you the purpose of seven steps to freedom. Now, notice we're not building wealth yet. We're getting started, right? We're participating. So you purchase a home, you open a Roth IRA, and then we begin to step number five, which is accelerate. And when we talk about accelerate, what we're really talking about here is learning to invest in those assets that produce income for you. So that's when we're talking about investing in real estate. And and by the way, this is not a plug. I just want to let you know, we're not just telling you that you should do these things, but in this program and in some other programs we have, such as Real Estate Mastery, we teach you how to invest in real estate. We teach you how to invest in the stock market. We teach you how to invest in a business. 
So I'll give you some examples, but when you start accelerating, that's that those green dots that are coming up on that second X. And that's where you actually have assets that put money into your pocket. So here's some examples of the green line. You have, again, I know I've given this to you, but I'm doing it on purpose because you say it, I always uh, tell folk in leadership, you say it seven times, seven different ways. You, it's, you start getting it. So rent from real estate, for example, profits, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, the other lesson, capital distributions from a business, dividends from stock, interest from bonds and CDs, royalties from songs and books, and royalties from oil, gas, or minerals. Notice there's no buying and selling anything in here. It's, this is what we call passive income. Buying and selling is active income, right? So this is passive income that is coming off. And let me say this here, and I'll revisit this. Your goal here at Accelerate, and I'm going to say this to you again, another lesson. Your goal here is to begin. We're not looking, when we talk about Accelerate in these examples of the green line, we're, we're talking here not about growing a vegetable garden, but we're talking about creating an apple orchard. And what we mean by an apple orchard is we're talking about the fact that you don't want to have to cut down the tree to be able to eat from it. Or, you know, so, so for example, if you're going to eat, you know, a head of cabbage, you got to cut the cabbage off in order to eat from it, and then you got to replant it and grow it again. But if I go to an apple orchard and I have an apple tree, I'm just pulling one apple, eating the apple, the tree's still fine, right? I've got to manage the tree, I've got to take care of the tree, but the tree's fine. And for most of you, right, for most of you, one to three trees will take care of you personally, but if you really want to make a difference in the world, you need to learn to build an apple orchard where you can go pick the extra apples you're not going to eat, and then you can sell those apples. Now, notice you didn't have to kill the tree to sell the apples. That's what we mean by accelerating. You're actually building income orchards in your life that allow you to not only personally be financially free, but also to make a difference in other people's lives. Other examples of this are commissions, for example, from insurance. They, these are possible examples. So, sometimes these work and sometimes they don't, depending on your particular situation. But commissions from insurance, earnings from the Internet, depending on the kind of business it is, and income from multi-level marketing. Not all income from multi-level marketing would be considered passive income. So then step number six is to uh, what, what I call emancipate. And that means that your asset income is better. So that green line is now passing the red line, right? And so you can quit your job at that point. You're then free to do what you want, whether it's profitable or not, right? You can do that. And so you can actually quit your job. So I call that immense. And it's at a point, it's at that point you get to be financially independent. And, and as you continue to grow your assets, you'll become totally financially free. But being financially independent means you don't have to work a job if you don't want to. Then step number seven that we have here is what I call go donate. And this is that third X. You learn to give or and or invest 100% of your excess income into what I like to call social impact investing or kingdom impact investing. We do that. We talk about that with Tricor Global where we're able to invest overseas and to do that. And then a scripture that I'll, I'll leave you with um, when we talk about this piece of donate, this donate part, step number seven in Luke 12 that we read to you earlier, the Bible says, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you 
then whose will those things be which you have provided? Then Jesus said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So rich toward God is that piece where you learn to donate or invest for kingdom impact purposes. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exists to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. The Wealth Builders podcast is produced by Celine Williams with music by Audio Jungle and narration by Greg Hunter. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running. Please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.